Well, I'm really excited to talk about how to raise capital for commercial real estate. And I've got an awesome guest for this episode. Uh, his name is Whitney Sewell. He owns a company called LifeBridge Capital. And to date, they have over $125 million in assets under management. And he started from very humble beginnings. He didn't come from a family that had uh, real estate experience or an entrepreneurship side to them. Uh, he actually came from a military and police background. Uh, and at one point, he was even a horse trainer. Uh, so he has a fascinating story on how he transitioned into running this big fund with uh, 125 million plus in assets and it's a fascinating story and he's got some great tips that he's going to share uh, i'm excited to share this with you uh let's jump into it hey whitney thanks uh, so much for joining me on the show my pleasure chad honored to be here so you've raised a ton of capital to purchase commercial real estate and you have a fascinating background in that you were actually in military and law enforcement and I believe you even actually did horse trading at one point. So the, pretty much the complete opposite of real estate investing. Uh, so before we get into how you, you've raised all that money, how did you make the transition from a non-real estate career into being uh, uh, the investor you are today? Yeah, it's it's a quite detailed, Chad, but I'll give you the high level version and please dive in anywhere you want. But ultimately, when I was, you know, I went from military to uh, law enforcement, like you said, and when I went into law enforcement, man, the lack of income, right, pushed me on a, on a mission to find some way to supplement my income. I, I learned about, you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, amongst many other things that kind of opened my eyes to the possibility uh, of real estate investing. I didn't grow up around entrepreneurs or uh, anybody that did any kind of investing at all, really. Uh, and so all of a sudden, it was like, wait a minute, you know, not, not had one or two people built wealth in real estate, but hundreds of thousands of people had. And I thought, okay, if all those people can do it, I can do something right? I, I can figure something out. Uh, and so that's what pushed me. This is like 2009 to supplement my income as a police officer, having no idea where we'd be going now, uh, but purchased two triplexes, made a ton of mistakes, self-managing, you know, lots of details there, uh, you know, just learning so much the hard way, newly married, remodeling a house while living in it. My wife had to wash dishes in the bathtub way, way too long, a lot longer than I would like to admit, but uh, we made it and we're a lot stronger because of it. But I then became a federal agent that moved us to Virginia. I got up to, I, I kept trying to buy and sell some real estate, got up to like a 15 unit and, and then really thought that I was doing something right. You know, with that 15 unit and never imagined being able to buy something like a hundred unit building or, or bigger. I, that was just seemed so far out of reach for me. I had no idea who those people were, you know, that could do something like that. Finally went to a conference, um, a, a large, or commercial real estate conference. And I started meeting people again who were doing it and had only been in the business a year or two. And I thought, okay, if all of them can do it, I can do it too. Right. And, and so started, you know, pushing down that path. And so that transition took me a while from, you know, that day job that as a federal agent to going full time into real estate, uh, because I spent Actually, you mentioned, you know, I was training horses, believe it or not. I was a professional horse trainer. I was doing that most afternoons till midnight and, and uh, you know, then getting back up in the morning, doing it all over again. And it was kind of madness for a while, but I was, I was traveling a lot, doing clinics all over the country, really building a brand and name in that industry. And, and it was just a passion of mine since I was a little boy, you know, so it was like, wow, you know, I'm actually doing this. 
And finally, my wife and I were on the beach one fall. We were just walking and praying and thinking about our future. I, would call, I like to call it like thinking time. Like, you know, do you really have time to just slow down and think about where you're going, you know, instead of just the mundane, you know, uh, just the nonsense, just constant, you know, appointment after appointment all day long. You don't have time to just really think about where you're going. So we did, though. And it just really hit us that, you know what, it's just not worth like no matter what I could make training horses, because I was making more money doing that than I ever imagined. But it was always going to require me to do it. You know, it was never going to be passive. And, and we just said, you know what, this is, it's going to be so much more difficult to build wealth this way. I think we can have a, we can build a lot better business and brand and, and help so many more people in commercial real estate. And, and so we sold our farm. We sold our house. We had the farm and house we had always dreamed of. And we just said, you know what, it's now or never. And uh, we're going to just do it. And, and so we did. And, and so it took that level of commitment, though. And we started a, a daily podcast and, and started doing deals. And, uh, and it was all I could do to keep up for, for about another two, two and a half years. And, uh, but it's, uh, you know, just because the Lord sustained us and my amazing bride, uh, I always give my wife and, and children a lot of credit because it was very difficult on them during that time. Uh, I mean, my wife did everything in the home for two years, uh, you know, while I was traveling, while I was working. I mean, there's uh, most weeks, and I don't like to admit it really, but my, my boys would know they wouldn't see me till Sunday afternoon, uh, even though I, my office was in the basement. I mean, it was that crazy. Um, but we finally did, you know, get momentum. And, and I know we're going to get into it, you know, just how I built a network of investors and all those things. But, uh, but it took, you know, there's many details there that are very important. But uh, just so you understand the hardships too, uh, you know, that it took to get there, a little detail of it, uh, of the hardships. But, uh, uh, but finally, we had more deal flow, we had closed a few deals, and I could see a great path of, of leaving that, that day job. And it, and it had to, I mean, it was like, yeah. it's either now or never, right? I cannot keep this, you know, 80 to a hundred hour work week, you know, forever. There's a few things that really stood out uh, in that, that short story is, is, is the first, uh, it didn't require having a background in, in real estate or having a network of entrepreneurs or successful investors. You just had a spark. In your case, it was a, it was a book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, that sparked that curiosity and your interest in going forward. So I think that's a compelling story for other people that don't have uh, a, a rich background to to draw on, but they just have an innate curiosity and drive to want to succeed. So I, I love that that story. Uh, the second is that there's sacrifices that you've had to make along the way, and, and I'm sure you've there's some really painful ones in there uh, that 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 hurt. But I'm sure it was also part of the journey along the way, where where at the time it was probably really painful, but now you probably look back on it and 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 smile as you reflect on it. And then the third one, which I, I think is most important, is not only do you need a team like lawyers and accountants, but you, but you need you need a support system at home. And in your case, it was your wife and your children that were really instrumental in that. So I think that that's a very profound amount of information that you've given in just that, that really short period of time. Uh, so uh, drawing on that, if, uh, maybe we could go into how you started raising money. Uh, so you started by doing your own investing at the beginning, but to scale, you started uh, getting other investors involved. So what, what was the decision-making process and how you were going to recruit investors and the value proposition you were going to offer them so they felt enticed to invest? Great question. And, you know, that first point that you made too, 
about no network. I mean, I had no, no family or friends invested with me. None of them are accredited, mm-hmm. you know, early on, right? I mean, yep. obviously my network's changed a lot now, but I did not come from that kind of family, mm-hmm. uh, you know, or background. And I just, I love to point that out because, because there's such limiting beliefs around that, right? Just like you yep. just said, people just think, well, I just don't have that kind of background or network. That's, that's your own limiting belief. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be that way. Right. And so for me, uh, you know, during that time, once we made that commitment, or, and actually remember, I went to another big conference, I went to a conference and, and saw these people who were buying large commercial real estate and only been in the business a year or two. And I thought, okay, hey, if they can do it, if all these people can do it, I can do it too. I'll figure this out. Right. But I immediately knew also that I needed a mentor. I hired a mentor somebody that could help me learn more about this business, right? And, and to mm-hmm. scale and somebody had been, you know, been there and done that and give me some more confidence. That was crucial uh, during that time also. Uh, but you asked about like the value proposition. We started networking. So immediately at that time, I started going to as many conferences as possible and, and just meeting people and learning about people and, you know, and introducing myself and developing my story and who I was and and, you know, a big thing, Chad, and I know we'll, we might get into it, might not, but it is our why, our mission uh, mm-hmm. behind LifeBridge Capital is our foundation, the LifeBridge Foundation, which, you know, we're helping families adopt children. Uh, happy to talk about any of that. But ultimately, sharing that first, right? Sharing that first. And I did not plan it this way in the very beginning, but I saw it start to work. And I and then I obviously realized what was happening, but I did not plan it this way. The Lord had a different plan, but you know, and when you go up to an event, when you go up to someone at an event, let's say there's, if there's 300 people at an event, or even if there's just 25, and you talk to all of them in an evening, or, or as many as you can, how many people remember you, you know, after you leave, right? And especially if it's a week later, right? If all of you have talked about real estate, or all of you have talked about that next deal, or I mean, how many people are really going to remember you, you know, think about that, if you only have a minute, or even five minutes with someone, what are they going to remember about you? And you need to think about that. And so I started sharing about our mission first, you know, about, I would start sharing Well, my wife and I have started a foundation where we're helping children, helping families adopt children uh, because of the expense the 40 to 60 grand to adopt a child keeps most families from adopting. But we do that through our commercial real estate business. Uh, and so investors get to have all the benefits of investing in real estate, but also knowing that they're helping us save these children. And so, and then I just stop, right? And, and that all of a sudden turns into a lot different questions than you might expect, right? From a normal real estate conference. But it's also very different than every other conversation that they've had, right? That every other, no other conversation has begun like that. Or, you know, it's, and all of a sudden there's a different connection that's made with that individual because they can see a side of you outside of business. I mean, this is like the big secret. People are asking me to speak all over the place about this thing, uh, but I still don't see people do it often enough. Or you just think, ah, that's nonsense. I'm telling you, that's how we went from raising $250,000 on our first project to, you know, 10 million in a few hours now, uh, you know, consistently uh, over, I think, a pretty short period of time. Yeah. And, and I think the key part there is it's it's a genuine, heartfelt, personal story that you have with that because you've adopted children yourself and and i know that that's a mandate of life bridge capital is to devote i believe it's 50 percent of profit that you make to that foundation so it's a very genuine initiative there let's talk about that though because i i am fascinated with that you have you you've adopted children yourself and you've made it a passion to to de- devote a, a considerable amount of your profit to helping other families do it uh, what's what's been your background in in going through that whole process 
yeah, it's been very difficult, but uh, it's so worth it. I always tell people, man, it is a roller coaster to, you know, the adoption process, but it's so worth it. We moved to Roanoke, Virginia in 2011. First weekend here, we heard a pastor talking about how they had adopted. And my wife and I had never been exposed to adoption before. Grew up in a little bitty town. I don't think we ever knew anyone that was adopted or had adopted. But, uh, but so this was really our first exposure. We'd been married maybe two years at this point. And on our way home, it was as simple as why would we not adopt? It sounds like, I mean, it just sounds like a great thing to do, you know? And so within a week, we turned in our application to adopt from Ethiopia. Two years later, our first son, Samuel, comes home from Ethiopia. A year later, our second son, Elijah, comes home. Uh, he was born in the States. And, and then now we have a daughter also through adoption uh, that, that's two years old, uh, Eden Joy. Uh, and so those processes, though, you know, especially early on, I mean, it was very difficult financially. We were trying to raise money. We were doing fundraiser after fundraiser. Uh, you know, it was very difficult to make all that happen. And so now, uh, you know, we're just on a mission to help as many families as we can to bring their child home through adoption. We schedule calls with couples often who just have questions about our experience or process. Uh, and then people can, you know, couples apply through the LifeBridge Foundation website often now and apply for assistance, uh, you know, for uh, that, uh, you know, financial grant, uh, you know, and just, we just help them think through fundraising and whatnot. Uh, but that's just a, a different dynamic, you know, to our business that we've added to our business. It's our personal profits amongst other donors now as well. Well, I, I commend you guys for that philanthropic uh, aspect that you've added to your, to your business process, because you mentioned, why do you, why do you do this in the first place? Why are you going to go through all the efforts of trying to raise money, source properties, earn a return so you can return it to the investors so that you can go and do that whole cycle all over again? What's, what's the end purpose? And I, and I think you've answered that. Your, your why is directly tied to building something sustainable for yourself and your family, but also to share those profits with, uh, with, with the world, really. So I, I really do commend you on that. Thank you. Uh, so I, let's move on to then how, how your investment metrics work. I, I know you've got a very methodical and systematized process when you're looking at a deal. Uh, but let's, let's get maybe a little granular and, and set up a hypothetical property. So let's say you find a property that's worth, worth $50 million and you decide you're going to have to raise $15 million for that. What's your process in underwriting that property and then displaying that information to investors so that they can see the merit in investing in it? Do we have two hours or four? Hours? <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess maybe a high level overview then. Yeah. You know, as far as the underwriting, um, you know, I mean, my business partner is just an, um, is just amazing at underwriting and, and, uh, uh, and so he handles all of that, that first pass about all deals. I mean, that's what he is doing all day long is those broker relationships and underwriting, you know, that initial underwriting, uh, I mean, and all the underwriting ultimately, but then once he finds something that he feels like will meet our criteria and some of that criteria is, can we provide, uh, you know, the returns we're looking for, for our investors, you know, for one, is it a business model or is there a business plan there that we, we are good at achieving already, you know, um, certain management issues or, or renovations and things or, you know, is, is the market there? you know, for that project? Do we have other projects close to that one? Or, you know, how much do we know already about that market? So we know exactly that we, that we can perform, uh, you know, on that project. I mean, so many things that go into that, right? Um, you know, but once we're ready to present something, you know, to our, to our investor base, you know, we've already completed due diligence. I've already been on site, you know, probably numerous times, you know, and Sam as well, you know, numerous times, uh, you know, and, and mo a lot of our team, you know, the property management team and just specialists from all over the place, from roofing to HVAC to, you know, you name it. Uh, and so all that, I mean, we are like 99% moving forward with this project 
uh, you know, by the time we go out to investors. And then once we go out, you know, investors are going to know a lot about the project, right? There's going to be a large investment summary that we're going to detail many aspects about the market, the deal, the why, you know, why we like those things, the business plan, all of that. And then there's going to be a, a place where they can sign up, right? They can sign up and submit what we call a soft commitment. Uh, but ultimately, they're committing, you know, to invest in that project. Uh, and then, and, and thank the Lord, you know, those are now filling up with just, you know, a few hours. And, and so, uh, I mean, that's taken a while, you know, to get to that point, but, but that's going to represent the deal. That's going to represent the business, the, the plan, the team, all those things. Uh, and so investors have a, just a great, really high level, or even more than it's even more in depth than that. Even I think uh, where, where they know a lot about what's going on before they have to even have a call with me. When you're setting up your models for ownership, are you doing it in a GPLP model or are you doing it in an incorporation? They're all GPLP. I mean, every every property is like its own business, right? They're all in their own entities, you know, of course, uh, but it is a GPLP a model. So do you typically go in as the GP and then everybody else is an LP or do you bring in other partners as the GP? Yeah, so there there could we try to keep that general partnership very small. There's just many legal considerations around yep. numerous things, you know, aspects about that. But um the GP, you know, could typically be, say, uh, my business partner and I, maybe one or two other people, maybe three, depending on the size of the deal, depending on if we need a, another key principal, somebody to help sign on the debt. You know, if we're getting 20 or 20 or $30 million in debt, you know, we, we may have other people come and help sign on that debt, uh, things like that. So they'll be part of the general partnership. Uh, and so that, that team might fluctuate just slightly, but then everybody else will be, will be LPs, passives. So it kind of leads to a, a, a next question that I had for you is somebody that wants to start out, maybe they've a uh, similar story to you, maybe they've invested in a couple smaller properties by themselves, but now they've reached the stage where they want to do their first capital raise. What advice would you give to somebody that, that wants to do their first project with outside capital? You need a mentor. You need a mentor. This game is not uh it's not, it's like, obviously people can figure it out, right? I can figure I figured it out or I'm getting there. You know, I feel like I'm figuring it out every day, you know, <laughs> yeah. but you need, you need people that's been there and done that. There's just something new on every deal. There's something new on every partnership or, you know, that you just haven't seen before. And that's going to happen. You can't let that, you can't be fearful of that and be allow that to hold you back. Right. But having somebody on your team, having a mentor of some kind, I mean, just makes all the difference in the world. It gives you that another layer of confidence. All mentors are not created equal, by the way. Uh, and so there's a big process, you know, to, uh, that I would suggest, you know, finding that right person. Uh, but you need that person and, and ultimately that team on your side. Uh, and, and I would also say, like, find the thing in this industry that energizes you. You know, is it networking, speaking to people, really being, you know, able to raise money, networking, meeting people, uh, providing that those relationships, uh, you know, or, or is it the underwriting or is it finding deals? Is it broker relationships? Is it, I mean, there's so many aspects of, of closing a large deal like we are that has to be done, right? I mean, there's so many team members that we need and our team has grown a lot over the last couple of years, but it's because, hey, you know, I can't do it all. And so I have to find those specialists. I have to find that person that, that's just amazing at this, this thing, right? That I can barely get done, but man, they are really talented at it, right? And better than I will ever be. So, so I would encourage you to have a mentor and I would encourage you to start growing your team, right? And, and, and a lot of times that first person is going to be like a virtual assistant, maybe in an executive assistant role, 
Uh, and people say, well, you know, they're just not going to work out. Or I know, you know, I don't want somebody that's just going to be here for a short period of time. It's going to happen. You know, for you to really grow into the, into even having a, an amazing class A assistant that's going to be full-time working for you every day and just doing an amazing job, it's a learning experience for you too. Uh, you know, and you got to get started somewhere. Just already know that that first person is probably not going to stay with you forever. Uh, but you're going to learn so much in that process. You got to get started or else it's just, it's not, you're not, you can't improve until you get started, right? So start growing. You need a mentor. You need to start growing your team uh, and figuring out what are you a specialist in. That's that's some very good advice. And and I suspect having really good outside uh, counsel or consultants is also very important uh, because you're going to be spending a lot of time and money on on legal or accounting. Uh, property management is probably another big one. So I, I, are, when you say team, are you referring to just in house, or are you referring to having a team of everybody that's assisting in the process? I would say both. Oh my, oh my goodness. I mean, I like, you know, obviously doing a podcast, just like you are, I mean, you're meeting so many people in the industry, right? And all of a sudden, so many of those people will almost be your counsel, right? You get to meet them, you get to start to build a little bit of relationship. And hey, I might reach out to Chad, because I know he has a specialty and say, hey, have you seen this before, right? Or Mm -hmm. Chad may reach out to me and say, hey, Whitney, you know, it was great having you on the show the other day. I just I'm looking at this project, wonder if you had seen this before. Well, I'm going to try to help you, you know, any way that I can. Uh, and so that's that's been an amazing part of this industry as well. So many people are so willing to help, right? And so it's not that these people are working directly for you, but you're building your your counsel, right? Just by networking and developing relationships and, and just helping each other, even though they're not, say, a partner on this next project, they're still willing to help, you know, in a big way. So whether that's your attorney or whether it's somebody, a guest you just had on your show or somebody you just met last night at the meetup, or whether it is your business partner, it kind of takes a little bit of everybody to, to make it happen. Great point. And, and I, I love the point about how receptive most people are to help. Uh, I, I've been doing mine for all of 2021 now. And I think when I first started, I asked 28 people to be guests and 24 of them said yes three of them said uh, later in the year. And one of them, I'm just going to keep badgering until they do say yes. But it was a pretty remarkable response rate because I I think people for the most part, especially real estate entrepreneurs, we we realize that it's a community. We have to be networking and talking back and forth. So I I agree with you. I think think you can expand your network uh, just by being proactive on that. And 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 that actually leads really neatly into that point because I do want to talk about uh, your podcast, uh, the Real Estate Syndication uh, Podcast because it is beyond impressive what you've accomplished uh having done over a thousand episodes now congratulations on that that's that's <laughs> remarkable you. success and you did the thousandth episode with your wife which i thought was a, a, an awesome interview uh, i'll leave a link to uh, to your podcast uh, and lifebridge capital but maybe we could wrap up by you just telling me how you've possibly been able to do 1000 podcast episodes <laughs> <laughs> Again, it's by building an amazing team. And I say, I say that. So in the very beginning, you know, I only knew of one other person that had a daily real estate podcast and I knew how well it worked for him. And I thought, okay, there's no reason to reinvent the wheel here. Let's just go do it, you know? And so I had no idea what I was fixing to get into. Uh, and I, and I think it's a, uh, it's a blessing. It was a blessing that I didn't know, you know, then. 
but but now I talk about it as overcommitting, right? And like I was overcommitted, and I say that in a good way. You know, you think, oh, I've overcommitted. I just can't get it done, right? Well, that's the truth. I couldn't get it done, and that pushed me in ways that I never imagined, Chad. I mean, it made me instantly build a team. So, and, you know, to give you an example that I give often is if I was doing a weekly show, just my mindset, the way I was, I thought then, I would have said, you know what? I can save a little money. I can edit that audio. I can edit that video myself. I'll get it done, right? I'll figure out the show notes. I'll figure out how to do this. Surely once a week, I can manage to get all that done. I guarantee you, I would have gotten behind. It would have been halfway done. Because am I a good audio editor? Am I a good video editor? No, and I never probably would be, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so, but knowing that, hey, I'm doing seven a week. You know, I mean, I was recording 12 to 15 interviews in one day, twice a month. Uh, You know, and so... So there's no way that I could do all those things. But because I overcommitted, I knew I had to have a team from the very beginning. So I did. I built a team of virtual assistants from all over the world. I had four different ones all over the world. I had one in Virginia uh, as well that helped me manage all that uh, because I was still working full time. That team I had two days off a month from my federal agent position. My team knew those days I had to have 12 to 15 interviews scheduled. Uh, and so it was just, my, we called it my marathon day, my wife and I, and it was just back to back to back to back to back as hard as I could go standing behind the desk, you know, all day long. And, but it took that kind of intensity to get it done, but I was doing nothing but the interviews, right? I've never posted the first show to so, social media. I mean, I've hired, you know, I've built a team that's good at those things. Right. And, and now, you know, I actually, and I outsourced it for a while and then I've, I brought it back in house uh, eight or nine, eight or 10 months ago, you know, built another team uh, to do all those things. So, um, so, you know, I've, I've, uh, it's all about the team, Chad. I mean, it was all about the team then to be able to get that done, but then the perseverance as well. I mean, it go, you know, from my wife to, to numerous other, you know, just people in the industry that kept supporting me and pushing me, uh, you know, even a mentor of mine that was just crucial at specific times that, you know, when I was receiving pushback from people that I, maybe I thought I should listen to that were saying I was crazy for doing a daily podcast, you know, uh, and, and maybe they were a little bit right, but, uh, you know, <laughs> Uh, but anyway, but you know, I received good counsel at that moment, you know, most of the time I was ready to say, Oh, you're crazy. I'm doing it. You know what? I'm, I'm pushing forward. I'm, I'm ready to, to turn those people off that are trying to, you know, say, say, I can't do it. Right. But however, uh, there were two events. I met with two individuals. Everybody listening to the show would know very big names in our industry. And both of them said, Whitney, you're crazy. Why would you do that? Talking about the daily podcast. And so after those two individuals, I was like, okay, maybe I should maybe I should rethink this, right? And my mentor, I told him about it. And, and as simple as this, he said, Whitney, that's why you have to do it. It's too much work for most people. They're not going to do it. You know? And so, okay. So then I was back on track. I'm like, okay, I'll figure this out. Right. Uh, and so, uh, you know, it's many aspects to making that happen. It was definitely extremely difficult. Uh, and not just me, but my entire family, uh, you know, but it, it helped me to move very fast. Yeah, and it, it's a fantastic product that you're putting out. I, I've listened to a number of the podcasts, and I am I'm genuinely impressed with how much work and thought goes into the questions that you're asking, the, the quality of the guests that you're bringing on, and, and just the, the value add that you're giving to the, to the real estate community is, is fantastic. So I, I really do commend you for that podcast. And, and I guess I want to close on, on one point and, and just a compliment to you is uh, you, you've mentioned the, the value and importance of having a team, but I, I think 
your success is largely attributed to just you as, as a person. I, I think anyone watching this video would just see how genuine you are, how hardworking you are, uh, how considerate and how much you just want to, to give back. So uh, it takes a team, but it also takes a leader. And I think you're the right leader for that. So uh, a big compliment to you and, and a big thank you for taking the time to, to jump on this show. Wow. Thank you for the kind words, Chad. I appreciate that very much. Okay. Uh, any way that pe best way to get in touch with you if people want to reach out? lifebridgecapital.com or obviously you can email me Whitney at lifebridgecapital.com or they can call or text 540-585-4338. Would love to connect with anyone, help any way we can. I'll put all that in the description as well so people don't have to write it down. And uh, thanks again, Whitney. I really do appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for watching this interview. And if you want to see more interviews with industry experts, please consider subscribing to my channel below. Thanks again for watching. Catch you in the next video.